Hey y'all, it's Janice here, aka J Nice on the mic, and this is Dirty Diversity, a podcast on all things diversity, equity, and inclusion. This podcast is called Dirty Diversity because in this day and age, diversity has become sort of a dirty or bad word that causes a lot of knee-jerk and negative reactions. The goal of this podcast is to dissect diversity, or lack thereof, inside and outside of companies, and also to discuss current events around equity and inclusion, as well as discussing solutions for creating a more cohesive world and workplace. My name is Janice, aka J Nice on the mic. <laughs> that was and still is my moniker on YouTube. Some of you may know I started a YouTube channel almost 10 years ago to discuss topics around race and black identity, and it seemed to really resonate with my audience. I'm also a TEDx speaker, a professor, a diversity and inclusion consultant, and a writer with a PhD in organizational psychology. Welcome to Dirty Diversity, and thank you so much for joining me. I'm so happy to have you here with me. Hey y'all, Jay Nice on the mic, back with another episode of Dirty Diversity. I hope y'all are doing good today. I am like, I'm pretty tired. It is um, the weekend of 4th of July and I actually went out with some friends and I just, you know, I, I didn't get any work done this weekend and I'm really excited because I have not really had a chance to just break and be, and I feel like I've been on go mode since COVID started. So um, I am going to sleep really well tonight, but I had to record this episode of the podcast. Um, So uh, the first thing that I wanted to remind y'all of is that it means the world to me if you take a second to leave a review for the podcast. If you enjoy the Dirty Diversity podcast, leaving a review allows other people to find the podcast. It means a lot to me. So if you could just take a second to leave a review on whatever platform you listen to your podcast on, it would mean the world to me. Also, I would love to hear... Uh, what you think of Dirty Diversity, the book. For those of you who um, this might be the first episode of the Dirty Diversity podcast that you're listening to, but I recently released on Juneteenth, I released uh, my first book. And um, so I know that many of you have reached out to me and let me know that your copy of the Dirty Diversity book arrived in the mail. I'm super duper excited. But um, I would love to hear what you think about the book. Um, this is just your um, weekly reminder um, to leave a review on Amazon um, if you enjoyed the book. And just I'd love to hear feedback and, and you know, I, I thrive off of that. I feel like it helps me to become a better writer, become a better author. Um, I already have my second book in mind, y'all. And if all goes well this summer, I'm hoping that I can just hunker down and bang out the book, the second book. I've been like so busy uh, this last month with racial equity workshops and anti-racism workshops and trainings. And I could have never imagined that 
the year would have unfolded in the way that it did. And I actually saw someone on social media say, 2020 feels like a season of Black Mirror. And for those of you who have never seen Black Mirror, you need to go, you need to pause this episode and go watch all of the Black Mirror seasons on Netflix. Black Mirror is like my favorite show, hands down. And um, I'm like, it's it's such a, like, uh, some of y'all may know this, some of y'all may not, but I'm a big tech person. I'm a big techie. I love new technology. Um, but I also think that technology definitely has a dark side. And I love that Dark Mirror really exposes the, the you know, kind of like the dark side of technology and how it can be used. When not used for good, it can, you know, it can turn into an evil tool. So, um, yeah, I kind of went off on a tangent, a Black Mirror tangent. But, um, yeah, so I'm really excited to share with y'all a couple things that I have coming up that I'm going to be working on this summer. Um, my uh, course is coming up to being finished, um, and then I'll officially be on summer vacation. So I'm excited for July and August because I'll get a little bit of breathing room, a little bit of break. I am wrapping up a paper that I'm submitting to a journal. Um, So I've been like so busy with trying to teach these two courses, trying to wrap up this paper, teaching anti-racism workshops and just trying to just live life. So it's been it's been a lot, but um, I'm excited for this upcoming these upcoming few months. Um, Summer will be, you know, I'll I'll try to get some some joy this summer, um, even with everything going on. Um, but for this week's episode, I thought it would be good to talk about racism interrupters. Um, I am, by the time you you listen to this uh, podcast episode, I should have published an article. Um, uh, I did an interview with an attorney named Kelly Charles Collins. And um, she does bystander intervention training where she basically teaches people how to um, how to act and what to do if they ever, um, witness discrimination. So, um, I wanted to talk a little bit about that and, um, in this episode and just talk about some racism interrupters and what to do if you ever find yourself in a situation where you are witnessing like racism taking place, you know, in real time. So, you know, I think that some of y'all may be shocked to know this, but I I think that it's, you know, racism is something that takes place. I've witnessed it in my life. Um, and I think that it's important to be mindful of uh, the time and the place. I think wh- if you've ever been, um, if you've ever witnessed racism yourself or you've ever been a bystander when racism was taking place, you probably thought about what the best course of action was and did a cost-benefit analysis in your head. And I think that one really interesting thing that um, Kelly Charles Collins said when I interviewed her, um, and I'll leave a link to the interview in the show notes, um, but she said that you have to really, there's a time and a place for everything. And I'm a big advocate for speaking up against racism, but I also recognize that it might not be the time and the place to call out your CEO um, when he's the one signing your checks 
Uh, when he does something that is inflammatory or racist, I think you have to be strategic. You have to recognize that, you know, when you're calling out racism, when you're calling out bigotry, um, there could be some after effects. And Title VII of the Civil Rights Act protects people based on a number of different classes. So um, you are, um, an organization cannot discriminate against you based on your uh, skin color. So your race is not a, um, you can't be discriminated against based on your race, uh, based on Title VII of the Civil Rights Act of 1964. However, um, one thing that a lot of people don't know is that if I report, if you as an employee report discrimination, your employer cannot retaliate against you. You know, if you're reporting that your manager said the N-word on a call and you report that and because you report that you get demoted, you get a salary decrease, you get, um, you receive, you experience verbal or physical abuse. All of those things are illegal. Um, so that's also important to keep in mind that as an employee, you have a lot of protections. And I think that that's something that sometimes people don't recognize, but it's, you know, so, we all are in different situations. And I think that it's always important to just do a cost benefit analysis and think about, is this the best time to call out the racism and discrimination? Or is there a more strategic way to go about this? And by that, I mean, um, sometimes in the moment, uh, you may not be able to call it out for whatever reason. You know, um, you may be on a conference call where you're not able to speak. You're listening to somebody. Where I've I've, I've um, experienced this before, where I joined a conference call and um, everybody's muted on the call, so we're listening to a number of people, but you can't kind of respond and talk back. So if you are in a situation where you uh, witness discrimination or bigotry taking place, you have to think strategically. Um, so one of the uh, one really effective racism interrupter, if you're in a position where you can, um, you're engaged in a conversation with somebody and they say something that you find to be racist, in that very moment, um, I always think it's a good idea to um, try to insert one of these racism interrupters. And um, if it's a joke, for example, if someone makes a joke and says, um, something inflammatory or derogatory, let's say about Asians. Um, I think that it's it's always good to ask follow up questions like, you know, why did you think that was funny? Or, you know, I don't get the punchline or I don't get the joke. Could you explain why that was funny? And I think in the process of someone having to explain something that was obviously and clearly racist back to you, they might um, have a realization in that moment of you know how what was said was was inflammatory um but even having to explain that um in itself is i think a good way to interrupt that bigotry and that racism um so asking those follow up questions like mm, you know i don't really understand um what where you found this information or i don't really you know pr could you provide more details for me i need a deeper understanding because I'm not understanding this, you know? So like interrupting racism in the moment can be one of the most effective strategies with handling it, but also being mindful that 
we're not always going to be in a position or in a situation where we can openly and freely call things out for what they are. I think in, in an idyllic world, um, that would be the case where you can call things out. You're not going to get fired. You're not going to get this. You're not going to get that. Sometimes in industries, you could get blackballed for calling out for calling things out. So you have to be smart and you have to be strategic. But one thing that I wanted to touch on a little bit is I personally don't think public shaming works. I think that you know we're we're definitely a cancel culture and I think that people don't want to be called out for their racism, but I don't personally think public shaming changes people's mindset or behaviors. I think public shaming is an effective tool for people to um be more mindful of their racism and be more closeted with it. So I always try to take the approach of educating people um, and helping them come to an understanding of why something that was said or done is racist or problematic. Um, yeah, so I mean, I've seen, I'm, I'm on LinkedIn a lot and I see people saying really odd things on LinkedIn and I'm like, how do you not understand that that's racist? And on LinkedIn is even more problematic because you have your, your company name. But I, I don't think public shaming works. I always take the opportunity to educate people um, when I can and where I can, but also recognizing that everybody's not going to change. But you pointing out racism when you're in a position to do so, um, what that does is you're planting seeds in somebody's head which may grow later on at some point, um, and people may come to a realization on their own um, about their racist ways, their racist mindset, their bigotry, and things like that. I also think it's important that we are giving people um, the space and the room to grow and evolve. Um, I, I think we don't always, I think everyone makes mistakes. Um, so for white people, it's important to remember and understand that your journey to becoming an anti-racist is not going to be an easy one. Um, any white person that's grown up in the U.S. has, you know, internalized anti-blackness just because that's what it is um, growing up and living in the U.S. So it's important to understand that um, you're going to mess up, you know, it's it's like being in school, everything's not going to be perfect, you're not going to get A pluses on every single thing, there's going to be times for learning, times for growth, um, but I also think it's, it's important that we allow people the space and the room to grow, um, I don't always think in our society we allow that evolution to take place, I think um, there is a way to corrective, there's a way to engage in corrective action without denigrating people and without completely canceling them. I, I don't know if canceling someone actually makes them see the error of their ways. That's my whole thing. Um, I think canceling people scares them into behaving in a certain way. Um, maybe that's the goal. I don't know. I, I have my thoughts on cancel culture, but I just think we have to give people the space and the room to grow. But I also think it's important not to be silent um, in moments where correction is needed. But we also have to be mindful. Everyone's situation is different. I can't fault somebody who 
you know, you may be supporting a family on your own. You have many mouths to feed. And if you're in a position where you're not able to speak up because it's going to cost you your job, then by no means am I saying in every situation, people must call out racism. You have to, you have to, you know, going back to that cost benefit analysis, you have to think about, am I in a position um, to speak out about this? And you have to also, I think it's important for us to in 2020 and beyond, I think we have to be brave. And now more than ever, we are in a position where we can call out bad behavior and we can call out racism um, for what it is. And I'm really, um, I'm, I'm excited to be living in a moment where we can say things freely. We can, um, you know, I think that now is the time that things are really, really changing um, change is on its way, change is coming. So I, I also do think that if you're ever in a situation where you're kind of like, um, I, I, am I, I'm going to be the whistleblower in this situation. I'm so scared. It's going to put me in an odd position. I think now more than ever, we do individuals have the power to call out bad behavior in companies. And, um, I think that that's also important to think about. Um, so it, you know, one quote that I'm going to, uh, I'll say it right now, but I'll say it also again at the very end is, um, Rennie Ito Lodge is an author. Um, she wrote this book that I loved called why I'm no longer talking to white people about race. Definitely recommend, um, getting the audiobook or getting the physical book, but she had said this quote and I, you know, there were many quotables in her book, but she said, every voice raised up against racism chips away at its power. So I definitely think that even when you call things out, if nothing changes and nothing happens, I, I do fully um, and completely believe that you are chipping away at its power. And it may seem like change uh, change didn't occur by you just speaking up, but I think also it's important to remember that change can sometimes take time. Um, so going back to calling out racism at work, you have to think about, is this the right time and the place? Am I in a position to call out this behavior or is this, is there a way to anonymously share with HR what has happened? Um, am I able to take videos, uh, record things on my phone? It's always good to have evidence, um, have other people that have witnessed, um, the behavior or the, the words being said or, or the behavior taking place. Um, but I think ultimately, if we ever find ourselves in environments that are exclusionary and discriminatory, you have to start planning your exit strategy. That's not an environment that's going to be conducive to your growth in the long term. Um, so I think that you have to bide your time and recognize that you're only going to be there but so long. And when you know when you know you're in the position to move or transition to another job, I think that's when it's important to be honest and candid and chip away at the power of racism by calling it out for what it is. Um, so. Also, one Instagram page that I love to follow, and if y'all are on Instagram, Instagram and LinkedIn are like my favorite social media platforms, um, but if you're on either, I, I left links to both my Instagram and my LinkedIn in the show notes, but I love this um, Instagram page called Karen's Going Wild, 
and um, you should search it. You know, a lot of there's a lot of videos that are posted every day about white women um, and in some uh, instances, white men who are behaving in ways that are obviously and blatantly racist and discriminatory um, against black people in most cases. So, um, I, you know, I just had to shut that page out because I love it. I think it's it's you know, it's it's empowering um, that there that we have the tools to really call out racism. And, and I really do believe that this moment in time is going to lead to some some greater and larger changes. Um, so today we're not going to do like a black history spotlight per se, but two uh, black female authors that I wanted to shout out their books because I'm um, I read one already and I'm in the midst of the other. Um, so one is called Hood Feminism, really good book. Um, and it's uh, the focus of the book is really on the intersection between race, gender and class and that unique uh triple, I guess, the triple ingredients of all of those things mixed together um, lead to some really interesting experiences. Um, so I, I think that, you know, if you call yourself a feminist, um, you cannot avoid reading this book, Hood Feminism. It's a really, really great read. Um, definitely re recommend it. Um, for all of you listeners. And then um, one that I'm still listening to right now, but that's super duper good, is called I'm Still Here, Black Dignity in a World Made for Whiteness. So that one is super good. Again, Hood Feminism and I'm Still Here. I'll leave links to both books in the show notes, but I wanted to shot uh, those two talented uh, Black uh, female authors out. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm just tired today, y'all. I hope y'all had a restful week and um, you're getting your rest. You're reading your books on anti-racism. You're recognizing your anti-blackness. And um, I think that's where we're going to leave this week's episode. Um, again, I'm really excited for this moment because I think this is a moment that will be written about in history books um, when change really, really, this moment is going to be a catalyst for a lot of change. Um, so yeah, um, with that, I will leave y'all again. I will repeat the Rennie Ito Lodge quote, and I will uh, leave y'all with that for this episode. Um, so I just want y'all to remember that every voice raised up against racism chips away at its power. All right, y'all. I will uh, talk to y'all in the next episode.